I've entitled today's message, The Tabernacle, a, vis a Visible Picture of Good News. Because the tabernacle really is good news. It's the good news that God is coming to live with his people. And God gives us this pattern for how he will come to dwell with his people. Today's passage begins by describing um, this blueprint for the tent or the tabernacle that um, was to be God's home, his house among the people of Israel. And not only does it describe the blueprint and it gives us all these details about the different aspects of the tabernacle, but then a few chapters later, we see how the building process took place and God's people took part by faith, offering up the materials for this tabernacle and, and they got to work, the skilled workers that God blessed with the knowledge and ability to build this tent. All of this so that the glory of God might be among his people in this tabernacle. And so while we could, in one sense, as we're reading along, we could start to get a little bit bored or a little bit lost as we read all of these details about this tent and its furnishings. The tabernacle is not something that's irrelevant to our lives really pictures for us vital truth. Truth that gives us hope. Good news that God will dwell with his people. Tabernacle is all about God living with his people. And how is he going to do that? What is the way in which he will dwell with his people? Tabernacle is good news. But we're given a lot of material. There's about 13 chapters in the book of Exodus devoted to the tabernacle and all of the things that were in the tabernacle and, and the priests and, and their clothing and everything about the priests uh, as well. And so I just want to give us a really quick overview as we begin starts with the pattern, the blueprint that God gives in Exodus chapters 25 to 31. And so as you read through those chapters, you see that God gives this pattern to Moses. It begins with the Ark of the Covenant and, and then goes on to describe all these different aspects of the... Tabernacle. Let me zoom out for you so you can see a little bit better of the pictures of some of these parts of that were in the tabernacle. There was a lampstand. There was a table 
for bread on it. There was an altar of incense. There was a bronze altar in the courtyard. They offered sacrifices to God. And the sacrificial system, it's not mentioned very much in this narrative. But later on, we come to see that it is through the sacrifices that the priests would make that God's people were able to draw near and be forgiven of their sins. And this also comes a picture of Jesus Christ. We have all these different aspects of the tabernacle. And then in... Exodus chapter 35, verse 4, the building process begins. As God's people willingly offer all these materials to make the tabernacle, all kinds of materials from the wood to the the precious metals, the linen that was needed, even precious gems. And they offered these things and got to work to complete this tabernacle. And when when it is all finished, we read in Exodus chapter 39, verses 42 and 43, the Israelites did all the work according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses. And Moses inspected all of the work, and they had done it just as the Lord had commanded. They had done it exactly so. And Moses blessed them. And and then a chapter later, we're told about how, so here it's been done, it's it's all ready. And then in chapter 40, Verse 17, it was built. They set it up. They put it all together. And the tabernacle was set up on the first day of the first month in the second year. The second, this has been two years they've been in the wilderness. And now this tabernacle has been built. And there's some amazing detail in there and hopefully we'll we'll talk about some of these details. But why? Why all of this? Why this big tent with all of the all of the furnishings and the altar and the ark of the covenant? Well, we're told why. In Exodus chapter 25 verse 8 All of this was so that God's people or so that God might dwell with his people. Let me see if I put it up there. God's purpose was to live with his people. In Exodus chapter 29, verses 43 and 46, God says there, I will meet with the Israelites and it. This tent will be set apart as holy by my glory. So I will set apart as holy the tent of meeting and the altar. And I will set 
apart as holy Aaron and his sons that they may minister as priests to me. I will reside among the Israelites and I will be their God and they will know that I am the Lord, their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt so that I may reside among them. I am the Lord, their God. When God saves people, he saves them so that he might live with them. His desire, his intent, his purpose in the tabernacle is that he might live with his people. And so Exodus ends with this description of the glory of God filling the tabernacle. And this is the culmination of everything Exodus has been leading us toward. As God rescues his people, as he leads his people, he protects, he provides, he is with his children. <clears throat> so the tabernacle isn't really a side note. It's the very means by which God would fulfill his purpose to live among his chosen people. And, and it's not just that God says, oh, I want to live with you. It doesn't just say, I will reside among you, but he actually does it. He shows it. He makes a way through this tabernacle, this tent, to dwell in their midst. And this tabernacle is a picture for us of the way in which God will dwell with His people today. One of the things that we see when we look at the tent is how glorious God is. I mean, everything is gold, is beautiful, beautiful curtains, beautiful linen. But this glorious king lives with his people in a tent that in many ways is not much different than the tents they would live in. It had a table with food on the table and a lamp for light. And all of these things picture that God was there among his people. I mean, that's significant. This is amazing. When we realize, when we take a step back and look at who God is. They were just at Mount Sinai where God blazed with fire. And the earth quaked. And the people were saying to Moses, I don't think we want God to speak anymore. Can you speak on God's behalf? Exodus 
19 and 20, at the end of chapter 20, is where God comes in Mount Sinai. And here, God is going to make way to dwell with his people in peace. The purpose of the tabernacle is for God to live with his people. But now the pattern of the tabernacle, as we look at this blueprint, pictures for us only one way into God's presence. They still could not approach God on their own terms. When God commands Moses to build this tent for him, he's very specific, down to the smallest detail. In Exodus chapter 25, verse 9, God says, According to all that I am showing you, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, you must make it exactly so. And again, In chapter 25, verse 40, he says the same thing. Be sure to make them according to the pattern I showed you on the mountain. And that command is repeated just three more times to remind us of this. And when they do build the temple or the tabernacle, uh, it's very clear. Um, God wants us to know that they did build it just as God said. And so we are told over and over and over, just as the Lord had commanded Moses, they did it exactly so. And if you're going to take on the challenge of reading, you can go through and maybe start to pick out those themes that we see. All of this attention to to detail paints a powerful visual picture of how important a lesson God wants to teach us. So for God's purpose, first of all, he wants to teach us that he's going to live among us. And we see that. Everything about the tabernacle is about God living with his people. But also, the tabernacle reveals There's a separation. God is set apart even among his people. And so we have the priests and only the priests were to enter the tabernacle. And even of the priests, we're told uh, later on in, in the Old Testament that only the high priest one time a year would enter into the back part of the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God, only once a year would the high priest come. And he never came just waltzing on in there. He always came with the blood of the sacrifice that was made on the Day of Atonement to atone for the sins of the people. 
And so we're reminded again and again as the Israelites looked at this tent and all the furnishings and what went on there. They were reminded God was with them, but also that he was holy and that they could not approach God apart from the means he had set up, apart from the priests and the sacrifices. But God, by putting this pattern in place, is also picturing a fulfillment of this pattern. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But I want to mention one more thing before we get to the fulfillment of the way to God. And that is to see that the tabernacle pictures heaven for us. Pictures the presence of God in all his glory. In Hebrews chapter 8 verse 5 we read that the priest served a shadow and a copy of heavenly things. The tabernacle, the sacrifices, the the altar, the Ark of the Covenant was, was a shadow, a copy pointing to heaven and a heavenly reality. So this, this tabernacle was patterned after the dwelling of God. Not in a literal sense as though God dwells in his giant tent in heaven, but in the sense that all of this symbolism paints for us a picture of the beauty and the glory and the majesty and the wonder of being in God's presence. One of the ways that we can see heaven as we look at the tabernacle is to see how much the imagery points us to the Garden of Eden. We have imagery like the uh, fruit. We have pomegranates and almond trees and you have almond blossoms and you have cherubim and gold. Even the lampstand appears to have been patterned after the tree of life that was in the midst of the garden. And this same Garden of Eden imagery in the tabernacle is found throughout the scriptures when we're thinking about heaven and many of the visions of the prophets. And most clearly we see that imagery in the vision that John had in the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, where at the very end of the scriptures, we're given a view of the new heavens and the new earth with this same 
kind of beautiful imagery. And best of all, God with his people. And that's, that's the common denominator from Eden to the, to the new earth. When God will dwell with his people, God is going to restore what was broken, what was lost when man rebelled against him. Just as he had dwelt with Adam and Eve in all his glory. And he's one day going to come again to make all things new and dwell with his people. So here in the tabernacle, God descends from heaven to reign in glory among his people. When we look at this beautiful imagery, when the people saw the tabernacle, they were to be drawn to awe and wonder and to desire God's presence with them, to love Him. But the tabernacle. was not the fulfillment. It was a picture. God was with his people in a very real way, but not in an ultimate sense. And so the author of Hebrews tells us it was a shadow and a copy of heavenly things. And he also tells us in chapter 9, verse 8, the way into the holy places was not yet open while the first section was still standing. In other words, the tabernacle did not open the door to the holy places. It revealed a separation. It kept out the unholy. And so we have this awesome picture of the dwelling place of God with his people in their midst. And yet the tabernacle isn't the fulfillment. It's a picture of what was to come, a reminder that the door needed to be opened. And that fulfillment in the scriptures is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy One who dwelt among us. He is the only way into the presence of God. He is the doorway into the presence. Of the Lord. We could go many places in Scripture to see this from the very beginning of the New Testament in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 23. 
Jesus' birth announcement is accompanied with the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see how this pictures the fulfillment of what God was revealing in the tabernacle, that he was going to be with his people. And he came down, the apostle John said, and dwelt among us. Many people have pointed out that that word, that Greek word, dwelt, is literally the word tented. He lived with his people. The same places they did. He walked where they walked. And the apostles said, we have seen his glory. And then one chapter later in John chapter 2, they're at the beautiful temple and Jesus is chasing out the moneylenders and the people who are abusing the purpose of this temple. They don't want to meet God there. They wanted to make a profit. Instead of being a place of prayer and looking to their God, it was a place of, of, of thieves. Jesus says something shocking. He says, this temple, the temple is going to be torn down and it'll be rebuilt in three days. But what did Jesus mean by that? John tells us he was referring to the temple of his own body. He would be that one who would be torn down and die and be raised up on the third day so that the people of God could dwell with God through him, through his own body that was broken and shed, his blood that was shed for us. Earlier, I read from Hebrews chapter 9, verse 8, where we read that the way into the holy places was not yet open. But the burden of Hebrews chapters 8, 9, and 10 is to show us how Jesus entered into the holy place, that is, heaven itself. He didn't come into the copy. He entered into heaven, and he entered as high priest, not with the sacrifice of an animal, but with his own blood. And he did this so that we might draw near to God. 
and enter the holy places with confidence, as it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 and 20. And how do we enter? We enter by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain. That is through his flesh. He was torn so that we might come before God on no other way than through faith in Christ and what he has done on the cross. And through faith in Christ, this pattern of the tabernacle becomes even more stunning. As we realize the scripture tells us in many places that we are God's temple through faith in Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, Paul is saying to the Corinthians, don't you know that you're God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? And in the letter to the Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, after declaring how we have been saved by grace through faith in Christ, we're told through him, through Jesus, we both, that is all peoples, Gentile, Jew, we enter, we have access in one spirit to the Father. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. There is no temple, by the way, without a cornerstone. And in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is what the tabernacle is all about. God with us through Christ in us. And this is so amazing because it is all of God's grace, His initiative, His plan, His accomplishment received by faith. Accepting that, that he's the way. I want to talk just a little bit about faith because it's patterned for us, even in the building of the tabernacle. As God made it clear from the very beginning in Exodus chapter 25, verses 1 through 4, they were not being forced 
into making an offering to God. Or building this tabernacle. But it was the willing. Those who gave freely from their heart who would make him a sanctuary that he might live with them. Now there is a little bit of a difference between the tabernacle and the fulfillment in Christ in that it's, it's God who does all the work through Christ. There's no building Jesus, right? But there is still that response of a willing heart that desires to accept the gift of God and to receive what He has done on our behalf. And so, God calls those that willingly receive Christ in faith living stones being built up into a spiritual house. And he is going to do that work in us and through us so that we might proclaim, Peter goes on to say, so that we might proclaim his excellencies. In the same way that the tabernacle pictures the glory and the beauty and the wonder and the holiness of God, God is saying that each one of his children, he will build up into a place that, that displays, into a people that displays how good he is. And so the tabernacle really grounds us in reality here. It gives us a real picture of who we are without Christ. That there is a separation, that there is an inability to approach God. But also pictures for us who we are in Jesus. This spiritual house made up of living, breathing people who will display His glory. A people that He's going to live among. So when we think about the tabernacle, there's a great deal of details that we have not touched on. And the meaning of some of the symbolism that we have not spoken about. But I want to urge us not to minimize the picture that we're given. Not to think little of this visual picture that we're given. Because it points us 
to Jesus Christ. Points us to the Lord's desire to live among us and to work in us and through us for His glory. Tabernacle maximizes our view of Jesus who humbled Himself, who lived among us and died for us so that He could fill us with Himself. Give us His own Spirit. Jesus is more excellent than any priest or any king or anyone else who ever lived. He is God with us. So how will we Proclaim Christ's excellence this week. What will you say? Or what will you do? I'm reminded that what we love, we love to share. We talk about it. We live it out. We look forward to it. So how will you share this good news? What is the attitude of of your heart right now? When you think about how Christ dwells in the hearts of his people. What will or what could your attitude be on on Monday morning? You think you're going to think about the tabernacle? Maybe, maybe not. Probably not the first thought in our heads, but it could be. And in thinking of the tabernacle, it's more than puzzling about what does this mean? But realizing this is about Jesus. This is about God's intent to live among his people. And to realize on a Monday morning that in Jesus we're likened to a part of the spiritual house of people. A family. How will that change our attitude towards our brothers and sisters in Christ? How does that change our heart towards God? In saying these things and asking these questions, I'm hoping that you see that the tabernacle is good news and that it's a big deal. It's a constant visual reminder that you could look to in, in your mind's eye anyways. Maybe you can, we'll put up the picture at the end there of God and his purpose and his plan to dwell again with his people. And it's a picture of Christ who makes this a reality 
in our lives. In that sense, it's a, a visible picture of the best news ever. Ever. 